Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. A pastor was preaching on Christmas Eve, and his sermon went a little longer than usual. So glad that doesn't happen in our church. You see, his thoughts were scattered, and Thus, he just rambled on and on and on, and it was a little difficult for everyone to follow. After the service, one of the parishioners, however, surprised him and said, Pastor, I have to tell you, your sermon tonight reminded me of God's peace and his love. Not what he was suspecting, right? A little flattered now, he commented, Wow, really? Well, how so? And his parishioner said, Well, It reminded me of God's peace in a way that surpassed all understanding. (laughs) And it was a lot like his love, because it seemed to endure forever. (laughs) I thought that was great. But I do want you to know that I thanked Pastor Reed for those comments. And uh, in keeping with our Christmas series, he'll get nothing for Christmas. Uh, But I want to take you to two headlines. And I want you to listen to them. These are two headlines that were actually in the front of two magazines, very familiar magazines, one being USA Today and U.S. News Report and Newsweek. Now, I want you to listen to this because I want you to catch what what captured my attention. The first one read, In Search of Christmas. The second one read, The Search for the Sacred, America's Quest for Spiritual Meaning. Now, let me tell you why they really captured me because it brought me back to a reality that is in all of us. And I really want want you to catch this. It's really in all of us. We're seekers. If you will actually pull back everything about our lives and why we do what we do, even in our sinfulness, we're all looking for something. Every one of us. It was created, it was put there and endowed by the divine. We're seekers. The question is, what are we really seeking? What is it that we're really looking for? What is the quest and and the reasoning behind everything that we do? Now, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Matthew 2. Matthew 2. And we're in a series called Vintage Christmas. We've talked about Vintage Mary, Vintage Joseph, of course, the vintage shepherds, and now we're going to talk about the vintage wise men. Some know as the kings or the magi, but whatever you want to call them, I do want to simply state we do not know how many. We assume three because there was three gifts. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but we don't know how many. What we do know is they weren't local dudes. And so with that being said, Matthew chapter 2, beginning in the first verse. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. When Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews? I find that just interesting. These are pagan men coming from quite a distance away and they give him already title. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But they ask, where's the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to 
worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled. Now, don't miss this. As were all the people in Jerusalem. All right? These guys have made some noise. And they're talking about the very one the entire Hebrew world is waiting for. No wonder they're all troubled. Herod called a meeting of all the leading priests and the teachers of the law and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They answered. Well, of course they answered. They would know this. In the town of Bethlehem in Judea, the prophet wrote about this in the scriptures. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not just insignificant village in Judea, but a ruler will come from you who will be like a shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod had a secret meeting with the wise men and learned from the exact time they first saw the star. He sent the wise men to Bethlehem saying, look carefully for the child. When you find him, come tell me so I can worship him too. After the wise men heard the king, they left. The star that they had seen in the east went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They came to the house where the child was. They saw him with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their gifts and gave him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But God warned the wise men in a dream not to go back to Herod, so they returned to their own country by a different way. I want to give you, if you will, four things these wise men did to understand what it really means to seek something and to find something that's worth looking for. You with me on that? So these are four things these wise men did that I think we need to do in really discovering Christmas. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. They sought. They sought. Once again, look at verses 1 and 2. After Jesus' birth, I, I want to stop there and just take us back to last week. Notice the after Christmas sale. That's right. Okay? Yeah. All right? After Jesus' birth, notice Christmas comes after. And I will say what I said last week in closing. Jesus didn't come to have a birthday to blow out his candles. He came to be born to be your Savior to blow out your candles. He wants us to be, if you will, have a new birth. A birth in him. So after Jesus' birth, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is he who has been born king? We observed his star rising in the east and have come. We have come. Now, I want you to write this down because I want to give you three things that you need to know about a genuine seeker. Someone who's really seeking something and they're going to find it. And you need to catch this. Here's the first thing about genuine seeker. They're always looking around. They're always watching. They're always alert. They're always observant. They're always looking around. See, you will miss the sign of the time if you're not looking for it. It's just a fact of life. You need to be looking. These guys were educated men. Do not miss this, okay? They knew the stars. This is important you catch this. Because if they didn't know the stars, they would have never noticed that one was different. These were educated men right where they were. They would look up in the sky and they began to sing, if you will, sort of that Sesame Street song. You know what I'm talking about? 
One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> okay. One of these things just doesn't belong. Can you tell me which star is not like? So they, they had to know the reality of their world to recognize something was out of place. I contend one of the problems in our world today and the reason we're not very good seekers is because we've gotten so numb and so lazy in our world we don't even see something out of place that's right in front of us. We've grown accustomed to the wrong things. A genuine seeker is always looking around. Here's the second thing. A genuine seeker, they ask questions. They're not always just looking. They ask questions. For it is in the question that you actually discover the answer, is it not? We say it all the time. The only dumb question is the one that never gets asked. Anytime you ask a question, you're seeking something, and yet how many people are afraid to ask because they, 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 they don't want to appear like they don't know? Well, the reason you're asking is because you don't know. So you have to ask questions. Now listen to this. Don't miss this. Their questions didn't start in Bethlehem. When we read the story, what we do, and I think we do wrongly, is we quickly jump ahead. And so they come into Jerusalem and they start asking, where is he? But I want to take you back. If they would have never asked the questions, they would have never gotten to Jerusalem. Are you with me on this? The question started back in the East. Now, why is this important? This one's going to hurt, but don't miss this. If you're not asking what is going on then, you will ultimately be the person saying, why is this happening to me now? That's right, right. I, I want to say it yeah. again. One of the great problems in life is when you don't start back when, you'll always whine in the moments now. I, I hear a lot of Christians, well, if God's such a loving God, well, you should have settled that in the answer a long time ago. Do you see what the problem is? I sometimes wonder if that's a statement that I really don't know what I've discovered yet. These guys were asking questions, looking up in the stars. They had no idea it was connected to Jesus, but it started with going, hey, what's going on here? That doesn't look like it should. And that drove them to looking for the answer. And by looking for the answer, their education grew. And the more that they sought, somewhere in the midst of their seeking, the scriptures were opened up. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible says, the prophets say that this star might have something unbelievable at the end of it. And question after question took them on a journey that they would ultimately find Jesus. Did you catch that? Genuine seekers are always asking questions because they're always in search of truth. Now, here's number three. A genuine seeker will then do whatever they have to to find the answer. They're always looking. They're always observant. And in that, the questions start getting asked. And when they start really seeking, they're going to do everything and anything to find the answer. Now, my question is, how about you? Just, just play with me here. These guys were pagan guys. They weren't followers of Jesus yet. They're going to make 
roughly nearly a thousand mile journey to a place they've never been looking for someone they don't believe in and all they have is a star. Are you with me? Okay, I say that to say this. The religious scholars of that day, all right, the Jewish best, their wise men were all concentrated in Jerusalem. They're only six miles away from 2,000 years of prophetic instruction that they knew, that they understood. And yet, we have nothing written that they did anything. Herod brings them in and says, hey, 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 these, these, these dudes from the east, want to tell me what that's about? And they quote the prophet and yet do nothing by way of response. Now I say that to say this because I told you this is going to hurt. We have an additional 2,000 years and the rest of the Bible and I look at our world today and we seem awful distant from the one that we say and confess mm -hmm. is Lord. Yeah. How far will you go to know and what cost are you willing to make in search of? Jim Elliott once said, he is no fool who will give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who will give up what he cannot keep, which is pretty much everything we have, to gain that which he cannot lose. How far are you willing to go? You see, these wise guys knew that there was something so special about this star pointing them to Jesus, and that knowledge of discovery was worth doing whatever it would take. That's pretty amazing, right? Yes. Now, let me bring it back and we'll have a little discussion. I think we want to know truth. I believe that with all my heart. I just don't think we want to make the journey to find it. Because what I've discovered, it's so much easier to search Google than it is to seek God. And Google isn't the word. It's so easy, isn't it, to pick up our phones, to go to our computer, then to still ourselves and talk to the one who really matters. I think we want the experience, we just don't want to make the effort. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, when you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. He is no fool who will give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What's going through your mind thus far? People don't want to make that sacrifice to look at, actually make the sacrifice to look because they're probably going to see something that they want to see. Mm. And it's human nature not to see the truth, not to see yourself for who you are. We're always hiding those things from the world, from ourselves, from everybody, from our families. And if you're actually seeking the truth, you're going to have to face some painful facts about yourself. And I think we don't want to look into ourselves and face those things that we don't like about ourselves. Those things that we don't want to admit that, hey, you know what? Yes, this is me. 
this is who I am and I don't like what I see. And we're always fearful of the things that we don't like and the things that we don't want to see. I think it's fear. It's fear of revealing ourselves to the world and revealing ourselves to ourselves more than anything else. Because once we do that, then we can have an honest conversation about am I truly seeking God? You're right on, Michael. In my life, it's that way. I think we become a people that are, we want trivial pursuit rather than truth pursuit. And so we fill ourselves with trivia. And so it's easier to ask Alexis than to ask God because God's answer, as you said, might not be the one I want. Where, you know, Alexa or whatever, you know, other thing I search for, that just gives me information, but doesn't ex make me examine me as a person and what's really going on in the depth of my heart. I want to stay on the surface, and that's why I'll, I'll keep it trivial. Yeah, to show you the Hollywood side, I'm pretty comfortable in my miserable miserableness, I guess, if I could say that. So <clears throat> being comfortably miserable. I don't want to find that truth that you're talking about. I could, at my time and where I was at, I could tell you everybody else's truth and fault. I, I wasn't about to search for mine, you know. I was just reading in Psalms and he, um, David said, um, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We're born and we're inherit our children. Um, we have to teach them to do right. But then there comes a time where, well, we don't really want to see what is true and righteous. We'll block all of that off. I spent years doing that. And then when you finally do seek the truth and you do find the truth, it is truly painful. But how um, powerful it is that um, each day can be filled with joy after that, that uh, there's that transformation that happens. So here these wise men sought. We need to learn. What does it really mean to seek? Here's the second thing. They saw. That's what happens. When you truly seek, you're going to find. They saw. Now listen, this is the great news about Christmas. You ready for it? God put stars in the sky. He doesn't hide them. He puts them right in plain sight. And I don't want you to miss this. You see, lost People matter. We say it all the time in this church. Lost people matter. The Bible says in 2 Peter, God is not late with his promises. He's restraining himself. I stop and think about those words. He's restraining himself on account of us, holding back the end times because he doesn't want anyone lost. That is a great word. And that includes these guys. This is what I want you to hear. You see, I need to ask a question. Who put the star in the sky? God. 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 It was God who put the star in the sky. Why would he do that? Because these guys matter. Even though they're a million miles away, they still matter. And no matter how far you think you are from God, you still matter to God and he still put stars in the sky, right in plain view. That's who God is. He puts signs, he puts clues. That's who God is. See, I told you, this is the great news about Christmas. He puts stars in the sky. Now, don't miss this. For you see, 
If you really are searching for him, you will find him. And you know why? Because he's already been searching for you. He's way out in front of you. That's how much you matter to him. The question is, are you looking for the stars? Are you so still wrapped up in all your shame? The Bible tells us that the religious leaders never saw Jesus, even though he was standing right in front of them in plain sight. Never saw him. Now, why do I say that? Because I still think that happens today. We just have come through a year, 2020. I listen to a lot of God's people who talk a lot about a pandemic, talk a lot about what they've lost, talk a lot about all the stuff that surrounds it. I don't hear them talking about Jesus. Because I'd like to believe that Christ is a whole lot bigger than COVID. Just depends what you're looking at and what you're looking for. You see how it works? These wise men truly were seeking. And in their search, they found it. They saw it. They saw the star. And that star would lead them to something quite amazing. We'll talk about that in a moment. What's going through your mind? I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about what we look for is what we see or what we find. It's an active process of looking. And even like in our daily routines, it's like when we're driving, you just kind of miss things. And then if you just are intentional about looking at the sunset or looking at the stars, it's like, oh my goodness, like it's amazing. But it's that act of actually actively looking. You have to look to find it. It's exactly what I was thinking about. Like how many times you drive home at night and you go, did I just run a red light? Like, you just go and you go the exact same route every single day. You don't even know how you got there. We go through our life the same way. How many times is there someone standing right next to you on the street? You don't even notice them. Yeah, I, I mean, I think kind of just to piggyback on that, I think obviously there's so much going on in the world and it's easy to see all the bad things. And I think people get so focused on that that they miss the good things that happen. I mean, going through COVID, you know, lately, like the outpouring of people that were helping and checking in and those things, it just was amazing. And like, even though there's bad things going on, it's, there's still so much good and you just have to look for it. You just have to see it. It's there. It's a good word. You guys know that that old adage that we used to, or probably still say today, you know, you have two ears and one mouth. There's a reason for that. But how come we don't ever stop and go, and you have two eyes? It's so easy to turn on the television and listen to all the bad things instead of opening our eyes and believing that God is still sending stars. He's still doing amazing things. Look out. It's probably why Jesus said what? We say it all the time. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eyes are bad, the whole body is bad. We need to change our perception. He's still good. He's still putting stars in the sky. And if we will go looking for them, we will see them. And so here comes these wise men. And so we all know that they saw it. They saw the star. 
And by their sheer obedience, they, they, if you will, they followed that star. And guess who they find? Jesus. And the third thing they did was surrender. They surrendered. They not just surrendered even to Jesus. They actually, if we could say it, they surrendered to the leading of that star that would lead them to Jesus. Now, I, wanna, I want you to consider a thought. I'm going to pose something that I said last week that by way of uh, um, sort of putting something on the palate <laughs> of, your, of your taste, and that I think we have gotten this story wrong. And I want to offer you something, because to me it fits more of the gospel narrative, that I don't believe that these wise men came to give gifts to Jesus. I think they came to surrender theirs. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're presenting treasures to Jesus. I think they're surrendering their treasures to Jesus. It fits more. Look what the Bible says, verse 11. When the Magi, the wise men, went into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. What is worship but an act of surrender? Something completely transformed inside them that they went from pagan kings, pagan wise men, to now being, if you will, followers because only a Christian, if you will, can worship. And worship's an act of surrender. But look how the words clarify that by the way they follow. They then opened their treasure chest and they offered him. I don't think they're coming to give gifts to Jesus. I think they're coming to surrender theirs. I think we've had the story wrong. See, to offer something means to cease resistance and submit to an authority. That's what it means to offer, to surrender to something. It's synonymous with words like to yield, to concede, to give up oneself. This is the posture that's required. You don't become a follower without surrendering. And, and we like to say what? You need to invite Christ in your heart. I, I, I'm trying to really, if you will, change that. God doesn't want to be invited into our heart. He gave us an invitation that we'd be in his heart. And that means you got to surrender you. That's an act of surrender. And yet I think that's a problem because we like to negotiate, don't we? We like to barter. And so somehow that's going to work with God. Now tell you what, God, you know, here's what I'd like you to do. He's like, that's already been done. I died, you die. Or no deal. And there lies a problem, isn't it? We, we kind of like to, if you will, I think we get the words wrong when he says, come to heaven as a child. He's talking about the heart of a child with wonder. He's not talking about the process of a child. The old is to be gone. The new has come. So my question is, if, have you surrendered? Have you really fully submitted everything to Jesus? It's not a process. It's a posture. We're to bow, we're to worship, and then surrender our gifts, our treasures. 13th century pastor Thomas Akempis said this, Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without his life, there is no living.
It's all found in him, everything. And so they saw it, they saw, they surrendered. What's going through your mind? I, I think it's a, for at least for me, it's a ongoing journey. You know, so for example, when I quote, as you made the statement, I invited Jesus into my heart, okay? I was small, five years old kind of thing. Well, at that point, I just surrendered what I understood at that point. But then as you get older, you begin to seek more and you begin to hear more and understand more. Okay, and so it's a constant, even in my life now, I'm still <laughs> perfectly asking God all the time, is there any area of my life or show me areas of my life that I'm still holding this on to kind of thing and when that is, okay, okay, here it is kind of thing. So it's, it's not a once and it's done you know, journey kind of thing. I think what the church has made it, unfortunately, is that. Oh yeah, I checked that list off. I, I did that. No, man, it's an ongoing, because there's always parts within my hidden heart, <laughs> as you said, Michael, that it's still down there, okay. And, it's, and that's the journey of it. And so that's why I love this story, because man, the more I do that, the more wise I become in God's eyes and understand his ways more. I think for me, I've become more cognizant of that asking myself every day, is there something that I, that I need to do? God, what do I need to do? I ask, what do I need to do? Because in my line of work, it's very, very hard to forget that. You know, I, you know I'm a correctional officer, and so I see the worst in people every day. You know, I see them at their lowest points every day, and so there are days when it can get pretty, pretty intense, and I will forget what I'm there for. And then I have to step back and ask myself, God, am, am I, do you have me where I need to be right now? And so I have to look inside myself constantly, constantly, constantly. Am I doing what I need to do? Am I doing what I need to do to, to go along on this journey? So. I think that's powerful. Daily examination. Am I where you want me to be? Am I doing, am I being obedient? Sometimes I stop and pause many times throughout the day. Am I being obedient? I don't know about you guys, but I love to grab the steering wheel every once in a while. I think I got this for right now. And immediately I get in a crash. Immediately I get woke up and get to see that you still suck, dude. You know, you need to, you need to pause and let God take the wheel. He has to be the pilot, not the co-pilot. He has to lead my life. Every bit of it, I surrender it all, or you might as well just dive right back into doing that other stuff. Skewed off in an arrow. They were six miles off target of where, they, and they knew about Jesus. They knew that something was coming, but they were six miles away from the target. And here are some guys that didn't even know about it. And pow, they hit it. Why? Because of their obedience, because they were searching, because they were looking. They sought, they sought to find. They didn't seek to just show somebody I'm good. That's a good word. They sought to find. I, I think we need to ask ourselves what, what I said last week. What are you really looking for? He's not a solution to our problems. Because that in a moment is saying, well, I need Jesus when I have problems. We need to look in the mirror and realize we're the problem. Okay? He, he didn't come to solve the problem. He came to be Savior of our lives. We always have a problem. It's us. And only Jesus is the cure. So these guys saw it. They saw. They surrendered. But finally, 
they savored. And this is what I really want you to get. When they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, they bowed down and they worshiped. They worshiped. They worshiped. Uh, have you ever lost anything? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like the keys to your car? Yeah. A, a wallet? Your marbles? <laughs> okay. All right. We can help you with that. If you did. A child? We did. At Disney. This is a true story. We're hanging out at Epcot. And Jordan, we, we don't have Jaden at this point. If she does, I think she's a baby, okay? But Jordan's a little thing. And we're all hanging out, moving from one side of the park to the other when my mom turns and says, where's Jordan? And she was gone. You talk about panic setting in. Keys of a car, I don't care if I ever find them. Wallet, you can keep it. When you lose a child, and you want to, it's what I love about, about Disney. When you lose a child, it's personal. It's their loss as well. And here's what you need to know about Disney. When a child is reporting missing, the park closes. No one leaves, no one comes in till that child is found. It is locked down and it goes crazy. Every Disney employee is on full alert. But I have to tell you, when they called us and said, we have your child, oh, I, I get emotional still this day. The joy, oh, the joy that floods our soul. And I remember we walk in, and of course, it's Disney, so, I mean, they, they understand children. I mean, Jordan looked like she wasn't even missing, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we ran right up to her. She's just like, you know, what? I mean, they had her completely taken care of. But man, we're, we're weeping tears. We're holding our little girl. The joy, oh, the joy that floods our soul. And yet what amazes me is why don't we have that same when it comes to understanding what it means to be lost? Because that's what God feels towards us when we're found. I want to read to you a story that Jesus said out of Luke 15. It precedes, you might know, the famed prodigal story. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Would she not light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she does, she will call all of her friends and the neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. When's the last time we told someone, I was lost, but I'm found. Rejoice with me. I'm a child of the king. You see, there's something drastically missing in the church today. So here's what I've come to understand. You will never understand the joy of what it means to know Jesus until you fully grasp the joylessness you have without him. That's why I think some people look at him like, you know, a Rogers rate in, in State Farm. You know, somehow that I got this insurance and it sort of covers so I've got the Jesus thing checked off and I can go back to living like I, I want to live. It don't work that way, people. He's not life insurance. He's life. Okay? And yet, do we really understand that? Do we understand that? In Matthew 2, verse 10, it says, And when they saw, when they saw, when they saw, 
they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I mean, they were ecstatic. I see, I see these men just weeping with tears, overcome with emotion, not because of a thousand-mile journey. It's because the journey has now ended. We found everything that we were looking for. Is that you this Christmas? What are you searching for? What are you seeking for? Is it God's star? Have you fully surrendered, really? And like these men now savoring your discovery? I want to close with something, and I want to pose some questions to you. But before I do, what's going through your mind this far? I think there's something really emotional that, you know, when you're telling that story about Jordan, and then the example of sometimes we forget how far we've come and how far, like, God has changed us. But to really think back to, like, our valley moments where we were broken and where, like, maybe we found Jesus, like, that is an emotional thing. Like, just thinking about, like, where I was in my life and it was broken and that's when I came here and I just remember like weeping and just feeling so broken but like the gratitude that like bubbles up in me thinking back to that like that should be a more regular occurrence to think about that and savor it was like I was so broken and like but then I think we we become followers and we're like okay we just kind of forget like how far God's brought us you know but savor I like that word and I think we forget how far he's brought us and then we don't think about how far he can take us. Yeah. I don't think we look mm -hmm. at that. We think he's brought us to this point, so then I'm good. But we don't think, we don't look at, but he can take me further. I can go further. I can keep going. I can keep going. I can keep going. That's a good point. And that's the, the question that we need to ask. I can keep going. It doesn't stop here. Mm -hmm. This continues. Like you said, it's, it's, it's a journey. It continues. It's an endless journey. If you really want to look at it from that point, it's, there's no finite point. There's no end point to this. This is something, this is, there's no end point to wisdom. That's why I, I kind of look at it. Like you said, they were seekers of knowledge. Well, anything else, you know, knowledge is infinite. You know, wisdom is infinite. You know, we can always keep acquiring knowledge, but we have to be able to use that knowledge in the purpose of this. I think about when that when that gift was given to me almost six years ago. Um, how can I give this gift away? Most important thing right there, how can I give this gift away? Like you said last week, do you just wrap everything up and put it away? I can't wrap this up and put it away. I have to give this out or I'm not being obedient. So on a daily basis, who, Father, are you bringing? Who can I speak with? Your words, Father, just... What a blessing. I love that thought because we, we've all experienced this or maybe we've even done it where we got a gift and then we rewrapped it and gave it. <laughs> Could have been a wedding gift. Okay, got four of them, I think, you know, that kind of thing. But the beauty of Christmas and understanding Jesus did for me is that, you know, the gift that, that you the gift that we all got, what God now asks us to do is rewrap that gift in our skin and give it. Give it now away to somebody else, the same gift that you had. And that's, that's, the, that's the joy of it. It's been said that the two most important days in one's life is the day you're born and the day you discover why. The most two important days in your life, the day you're born 
and the day you discover why. And that's what Christmas is really all about. Only he can fill the void. Only he can. It's why these men came looking, I believe, with all my heart. Because everybody has a void that only Jesus can fill. And it doesn't matter how far you're away, six miles or a thousand miles. I don't believe that all the astrologers came that day. But these ones did. Because they, they could fill the emptiness. And they started looking around. Even in their education, it wasn't enough. And something was different. And they began to look, they began to seek, asking questions, doing whatever it took. I know something's missing, but how many people, they quiet that voice, they push it aside. I'm comfortable, things are good. God didn't call us to be good, he calls to be God. He wants us like him. And they start making a journey and they surrender to it and it changes them. And that's what I, I, I don't want you to miss because they saw something that didn't fit, something that wasn't right, and their resolve to investigate turned into a sacrificial adoration which resulted in a personal transformation and they were changed forever. And I can, I can own that because the Bible says, and having been warned in a dream by God, they returned, by the way, watch this, they returned to their country. They returned. Notice that? Remember that last week? That God always takes us the out of the ordinary to meet the extraordinary to go back into the ordinary because that's where, that's where the gospel happens. But they returned to their country by another route. Now listen to this. I think there's two key meanings to this. They went home another way geographically, but they went home another way spiritually. And the reason why because when you really see Christ, you will find him. And when you find him, you'll never be the same. You will never be the same. And he could be standing in front of you right now. But you won't see him unless you're really looking for him. But when you see him, things are going to be different. I love this. You cannot encounter Jesus, the living God and the Savior, and experience his unconditional love and forgiveness and remain the same. Oh, you probably falter. We can easily return to our own ways, correct? But even in that, there's a sense of, oh my goodness, I blew that. What was I thinking? That's the voice of God saying, whoa. God always wooing us to a deeper walk. Always wooing us to more of a surrender. Always if you will, putting us in the fire that we're made more in the likeness of who he is. So, the day you're born and the day you discover why. Do you know why? Really know why? I want to pray. I'm going to ask that you would just bow your heads wherever you're at. Father, I love this story. I like the identification of who they were, not just magi, not just these, these far eastern kings, but they were wise men. What made them wise? Their want to know. This unbelievable deep sense that there's a void and I, I know it can be filled. And they start looking. They start searching and they saw something that was different, something they'd never seen before. And they begin to follow it. 
and it leads them right to where you are. And the bottom line is, you said it, if you seek me, you will find me. And their lives are forever changed. Oh, the joy. God, I I wonder that day when we're face to face with you, that we'll be introduced to these men. And how many lives were transformed because of what they saw going back to where they were from? How many more surrendered to you because of the words of these wise men? God, it's the same in our lives. You're still putting stars in the sky. Are we looking for them? This was not a one event in a moment of time. We can all experience what they experienced. The Savior's been born. And like last week, what an after Christmas deal. Will we look? Will we seek? What are we seeking? And is it you? Our lives will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.